take you there. Uh, if you're sticking around, we have a sheet for you uh, for the kids. So uh, if I mention a note to them today, um, you know, it's also for you adults. So take that. Uh, today, we, before we dive into our text, which is Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, we're also going to uh, take a moment and pray for North Korea. Uh, we're doing this every single week where we take a moment to pray for a different nation uh, who is unreached, um, and we want to just ask God to take the gospel to these nations. Uh, the funny thing about these nations that we've been doing over the past few weeks is it started to humiliate my heart. Um, most of the time, these are nations that, uh, from the press and from the news, we, and as Americans, look at as enemies. Um, so I pray this for you, that these nations, you'd start to have compassion for them, right? And rather than your first reaction being anti this nation, it would be a heart of compassion towards the church there, and what God is doing amongst these people. So a few prayer points for the North Koreans uh, is most of them, about uh, 80% of them are either agnostic or atheist. Um, so pray that they would wake up to know that God does love them and pray for God to move and make Jesus known to them. And then pray for the fall or the repentance of the current governmental regime. All right, less than 1% of North Koreans have ever heard the gospel. So uh, I'm going to pause and let you guys pray for them, and then I'll, I'll close us out in prayer for North Korea, uh, and then we'll dive into the text today. Father, you are good, and you are loving, you are kind, you are slow to anger, you are compassionate and gracious. Well, we praise you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would deliver this nation of North Korea that's been long enslaved by a brutal government. Lord, I pray for the Christians that are there on the ground that, that know you, that love you. Lord, I pray that you would empower them with a spirit of courage. Lord, to be bold in their proclamation of the gospel. Lord, I pray for safety for them. I pray that you would take them and take the gospel, take your message to other people in that area. Lord, I pray that your gospel would be made known and amidst this persecution that they're facing, God, I pray that you would strengthen them and uphold them with your righteousness. Lord, I pray for the lies that are being told from the government down to the people. Lord, I pray that you would knock those lies down, that you would cause the government to repent from their sin, that they might come to know you. And Lord, I pray that same prayer for us today, that the lies that we believe, Lord, that they would be knocked down by your word, that we would let the truth of Christ reign in our hearts. So Lord, I pray 
for the meditations of my heart and the words that come from my mouth to be pure and from you as we dive into Paul's letter to the Philippian church. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for Jesus Christ and it's in his name that we pray, amen. So as we continue today throughout communion, throughout while I'm preaching, if the Lord like just uh, puts North Korea on your heart, just continue to pray for them. Um, so like I said, we're gonna be in uh, the letter to the Philippians, chapter one, verse 12. And last week, Stephen reminded us that this letter was written while Paul was in prison. We're gonna hear that again today. He was chained to another person. And so when Paul speaks to us about the imperial guard, remember that. He, he's chained up in a room with someone um, and he's not preaching to this large group of people called the imperial guard, right? The imperial guard are people who were a part of taking care of him. So when Paul is preaching, he's preaching to one or two people. And this imperial guard is 9,000 people, right? So it's not like Paul is standing up in a room of 9,000 people called the imperial guard and he's preaching to them. This message is spreading for the one or two people that are hearing the message in this room and it's going throughout the Imperial Guard. It's pretty cool, it's awesome. So remember that, like put yourself in Paul's prison today. Listen in Philippians chapter one. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. What has happened to me? Paul being put in prison has really served to advance the gospel. I think one of the first things that we need to recognize here is that Paul is reframing, reviewing his suffering. It's so important for us to, to see that Paul is recognizing that his suffering is not a roadblock to the gospel going forward or a roadblock to his desires for his life, but actually his suffering is the pathway for God to do what he wants in the world. It, it makes even more true what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says uh, that Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And he says that, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's service, his enslavement in this prison, he's using it to proclaim the gospel. He's using his suffering for the proclamation of the gospel. I think it's really easy for us to say stuff like, it's so crazy that God used Paul's suffering to continue the gospel going forward. I think rather it's actually more crazy that you and I don't use suffering to proclaim the gospel. It's an opportunity for us to cling to the gospel, right? Paul is proclaiming Christ 
in his suffering. And God's using Paul's faithfulness to get his message through to his people. How many of you guys have ever suffered? Been through a hard time. We can look back because hindsight's 2020. We can say, like, man, really, God has God used my suffering. I don't think that's the kind of thing that Paul is thinking about here. Paul is saying that God is using his current suffering because Paul is being faithful to preach the message in the midst of that suffering. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? In the middle of Paul's suffering, he's not hiding from sharing the gospel. He's preaching it. Similar to that, we, we can remember back to the story of Joseph and say, what the, enemy, what the enemy intended for evil, God used it for good. All right, don't let the enemy bury you in suffering, but let God use your suffering to show his strength. I hear this from a lot of you, and I'm guilty of it too. We say things like, I just have a lot going on right now. Or I feel like there's just so much going on in my life. Anyone else hear that coming out of your own mouth and into your own ears? Yeah, that's me too. I think sometimes the enemy is burying us in distraction and busyness, and we're so consumed with ourselves. We're so consumed with ourselves that we don't think like Paul to use our a lot going on for the proclamation for the sake of the gospel. That the people that God's bringing into your life in the midst of your craziness, that he wants you to bring Christ to them. Those guards, the imperial guard that are in that room with Paul are the cause of his suffering. he's still choosing to share the most loving piece of information to, uh, to them that they could have ever heard in their life. That God wanted to redeem them and that he loved them so much that he sent Jesus. The people that are locking him in a room so that he can't share the gospel, he, sh- he said, I'm gonna share the gospel with you. So if it's your professor's students who you feel are the cause of your suffering, take the gospel to them. If it's your parents who you feel like are the cause of you being locked up, take the gospel to them. Who is it in your life that you feel like is imprisoning you that needs to know the gospel. Take it to them. The grace that God has for you, he wants it to go beyond you. It's not your grace to keep. 
Give it away. So we see Paul's reaction to suffering, and we keep seeing it here in uh, verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't it cool that the gospel doesn't rely on one person? All right, Paul's in prison. He's put away so that the gospel does not spread. And one, he keeps spreading it to the imperial guard. Really cool. That's awesome. Way to go, Paul. But then there's these other people who they notice Paul's out of the way. What needs to still happen? The gospel needs to continue to go forward. And so they have become much more bold to speak the word without fear. Our church doesn't grow because of me or because of Stephen or Jared or Riley or Grace or AK or anybody that sings up here or any of the elders. We're not growing because of one singular person. The church grows because the message is true. It's our message that matters, that Jesus Christ's life was for you, that his death was for you, that his resurrection was for you. The love of God in Christ for you is why this body grows all over the world. It's not about Paul. It's about Jesus. And whoever's preaching that true message of the gospel, and we should pray for them. We should pray for the churches in our area that are proclaiming that same true gospel. We should be excited that God is working in our community. Your life and the lives of others can impact many for the sake of the gospel. Paul, to those few people, are now reaching more than Paul could have ever reached by himself. Right? I can't do this alone. You can't do it alone. You need other people to continue to share the message of Jesus. Right? Your life can multiply into the lives around you and then their lives can multiply into the lives around them. You see that? That's beautiful. That's multiplication. That's what God wants to do is move on this earth and bring as many people unto himself. Many people. One other thing that we notice from Paul's life here is that as he preaches Christ in the midst of his pain, it emboldens others to preach Christ where they are. So while we are all suffering, keep preaching Christ. Because it's as other people watch you suffer and continue to preach the gospel, they see you continue to cling to Jesus in the midst of your pain. It will embolden them to continue to preach Christ. You guys ever watch somebody go through pain and they're holding on to their faith in Jesus, right? 
How much more does that encourage you to keep holding on to Christ? And even much more, it should make us want to share that truth. I shared this story last year, but there's a friend of ours who lost a child. And in the middle of their losing that child, they were proclaiming Jesus. They were continuing to hold fast to Christ. And it was so encouraging to me that Christ ministers to them in their suffering so that I can look on the suffering that's going to come in my life and know Christ is sufficient. And in his power, in my weakness, his power is made complete. It becomes real when you see it in other people's lives so that it can become real when you see it and you happen to have it in your own life. Preach Christ in the midst of your pain so it can embolden others to preach Christ as well. So, um, goodness, I wasn't planning on talking about my friends, so now I'm kind of all messed up. But um, on Friday night, uh, we got, a few of us, some college students got to go and serve uh, Lumpkin County High School basketball team. Like we got to let their parents watch the game instead of serving in the concession stand. And it's really cool. Um, cool thing about our church is that not one person does all the work. So we've served the, the high school before in that manner. And uh, so many, it's been different people every single time that have done it. But one of the uh, people that runs the booster club came up to me and says, you know, we just love it when the branch serves because y'all know what you're doing. I'm like, we have no idea what we're doing. But there's something about somebody not complaining, having joy, and being excited to serve that anything that went wrong didn't really matter. We were ministering to these parents and, and showing the light of Christ to these people that they were just so excited that we were there to serve. And I wasn't on the front lines. I was more in the back, like handing, throwing Powerades at people. But, you know, Hannah Ackerman smelled, like, still, probably still smells like butter this morning from serving popcorn and not complaining about it. But your life, how you live your life matters. You're preaching Christ. Uh, and it's not about the people that are up here on the stage or people that are in front, right? It's about telling Christ to everyone who you come in contact with. And so that's all we're, that's what we're called to do up here at the front is we're called to point you to Jesus and you're called to go and point other people to Jesus. So we're going to keep doing that as a church. Um, one of the things that has been really helpful to me is understanding your calling, right? And it's when your gifts or your passions and an opportunity, when those things come together, you're called. So your gifts and an opportunity to share Jesus, when those two things come together, you're called to share the gospel. So whatever you do with your hands, whether you eat or drink, whatever kind of work that you find your hands doing, share the gospel. Cling to Jesus 
and share them with others. You're called to preach Christ in your place to your people. Let's go to verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So here we have people that are that know who Paul is, that know that people are following Paul, they're following Jesus because of Paul. You got two different groups. You got people that are excited about the gospel and excited about who Jesus is and they're sharing the truth of the resurrection for them. Pure motives. Then you have these other people that are sharing the truth, the same gospel that these people with bad motives have. They're sharing that same truth, but they're, what they're really about is about the followership that Paul has. So they're preaching out of rivalry. They want all the people that were following Paul to start following him. And they want everybody to come and follow him. They're a big about the crowd that's following them. But they're sharing the true gospel. I wanted to address that this morning because I know that this verse gets tossed around and put out in some bad context. Um, is it, this verse is not talking about rejoicing in, in any preaching that says Jesus Christ. This isn't something that we can say, the Mormons, because they say Jesus Christ's name, they're doing it right. That's not what Paul is saying here. We know that Paul knocks down heresies, right? Around the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. We know that because in the book of Galatians, he knocks down heresies about people having to be circumcised to receive the grace that Christ offers. So he's preaching against other people that are still saying Jesus's name but doing it with false teaching, right? I think of this when I think of the prosperity gospel, that if you have enough faith in Jesus, God will bless you and make your life easier. False. These people claim Jesus, but are preaching a gospel that forgets that our savior suffered and promised suffering. And as we see that Paul is suffering, he boasts in his weakness and continues to have faith, not because everything is going well, but because of what God has done in Jesus the Christ. So when do we rejoice? When do we get excited about people saying that Jesus is the Christ, when they preach Christ. We rejoice when it's the true gospel. What is the true gospel? That Jesus is God. 
that he came, he lived a perfect life. And he invites you to participate in that life because you cannot participate in eternal and abundant life because you have sin in your life. You have sin in your heart, in your nature. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We cannot get to the Father without a substitute. So Jesus is that substitute and he died. And when you put your faith in him, you put your trust in him, he takes your sin, he takes your shame, he takes everything that you've ever done that's wrong, he takes every ounce of wrongness that you have before the Father and he buries it in the grave. And then he comes out of the grave and he's alive. And he's left the dead stuff in the grave. He's left the sin there. When you put your faith in him, your sin goes in the grave with him and you come out with him in that resurrection. You have new life, eternal, abundant, good life. That is the true gospel. Jesus is God, that he loves you, and you can have life through his death and resurrection. So we rejoice when that is proclaimed. Whether people are saying it because they want people to follow them as they follow Christ, or whether they want just people to follow them because they have a great message of grace. Amen? So there are churches around here that we don't know their intentions, but they're preaching the true gospel. So let's rejoice that they're preaching the true gospel. We have churches around here that are preaching a false gospel. So let's continue to preach Christ, the true gospel, to everyone that we come in contact with so that they would know that God cares. God loves them. So, we end every week here the same. We go to the table. And in this going to the table, we are proclaiming the gospel. We go remembering that God came to earth in flesh, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He took our sin in his body and died. And he asks us to remember his death by taking the bread and the cup. And here we dip the bread into the cup. So we go to the table and remember that he died for sinners like you and me. And he rose from the grave to give us life. So today, let's go with hearts rejoicing that the gospel is going forward. Let's go praying that the gospel would go where it has not yet gone. And let's go in praise that God has made a way for us to dwell with him again. Let's pray. Lord, you know every part of our lives. You know our suffering. You know our motivations. You know the people in our lives that you have brought to us. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength 
the courage and the boldness to share your truth with all. That we wouldn't hold it back from someone because we don't like them. I pray that you would give us confidence in your truth, confidence in your word. Lord, I pray that you would help our motives be pure, that we wouldn't preach out of envy or rivalry, that we would want people to follow us. But Lord, that we would preach it from goodwill, that we would desire people to follow you. That we would do this out of love for you. Lord, I pray for the people of North Korea again this morning. I just ask that you would make a way for the gospel to break in there, into the hearts of the people that rank high in the government and that they would do something with that gospel, that they would just preach it and it would be heard and it would be received, Lord, that the hearts of the people of North Korea would be changed. Lord, I pray for the people in Lumpkin County and our surrounding areas, God. I pray that you would give us Christians the, the boldness to preach your truth. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of busyness and distraction, Lord, would you give us knowledge and discernment? Would you give us courage. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you love us, that you show that you love us, not by making our lives easy, but you show that you love us in your son Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection into life. Lord, I pray that we would Remember that as we go throughout our weeks. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.